All right, everyone, thank you for joining. Happy New Year and Shana Tova to everybody. Shana Tova Masuka. This is our first official broadcast of the year 5783, Tafshim Pei Gimel. We will now do part two, it's Thursday night, of what we started doing last week as a pre-Rosh Hashanah shir. I was hoping I'll be able to finish before Rosh Hashanah, but that did not materialize. Um, But we are here now. So this is in Sefer Lakuti Torah, and on page uh, 98, the Mimer started as a B or as an explanation on the Pasuk Sois Asus, which is last week's of Torah. And we are holding in the middle of chapter number th- Gimel, chapter three. Holding by the words, Okay, so let's try to do a little recap and bring everybody up to speed of where we're learning. We were learning about the significance. Now the Mimer really explains the shofar, but not just the shofar, but the access, the, the shofar, opens us up to a certain, which we've done already, just on Rosh Hashanah, opens us up to a certain deep, inner, 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 uh, sensitive um, space, so to speak, within God, uh, and and which we access the entire 10 days until after Yom Kippur. The Rosh Hashanah blasted, I'm sorry, Rosh Hashanah and the Shofar blasted open. The shofar unlocks this inner, inner, inner core of the divine and exposes it. We have 10 days, which started on Rosh Hashanah, including Rosh Hashanah, concludes at the conclusion of Yom Kippur, in which we can access this this very, very core, essential um, inner state of, of the infinite, of God, and from there we can replenish re refurbish and re refresh um every aspect of our own soul and every deficiency that we might have made in the entire cosmic flow of energy and that is related to what we discussed last week so that's why even though we're discussing the chauffeur we shouldn't feel like we're learning something that is past us because what the chauffeur opened up is currently available until Next week, Wednesday, 7.09 p.m. here in L.A. After that, the door, this window will shut until it comes around next year again. Um, but the, this year, the access to this very, very deep and high um, inner place at the core, core, core of Hashem, which we don't have access to all, all the time, is open through the shofar. So to understand this, we had a discussion as follows. We discussed the idea that naturally God is infinitely removed above, beyond um, the creation and all that happens in creation due to the finitude and the minusculeness of creation. It really, really is utterly insignificant. And the divine remains private to himself. In order to get God to engage and to involve and to flow and to uh interact to be in a relationship with us uh we we that that requires a a a a something to that requires an energy that's going to stimulate 
Hashem to move out out of his introvertedness and to and to flow outward to engage that's a tremendous humility on his end to lower himself down initially he made contact on his own because he desired so uh, but then he wants that this engagement should be stimulated by us that's the way it works so how do we stimulate him into it we increase his joy that's the way it is we find see the human being below is created in the image of god and therefore many of our mannerisms or many of our core characteristics are similar and not just as similar they are a derivative of the way things are above that's why we are that way so by humans we find that people who naturally are quiet and keep to themselves and are not as interactive and not as social um they 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 too become social and become interactive when they're very happy joy causes a certain openness and a certain expressiveness that otherwise isn't there joy has this bursting energy that causes an opening that's why and we mentioned that this year is particularly connected to this because this year is the one of the acronyms of the year tafshin pei gimel could stand for tia shnas you can i'm going to do the shin twice tia shnas let it be a year of shin simcha poretz geder this that simcha joy breaks open all boundaries you know when there's a party and there's, you put a fence what happens usually if you put a fence around the party if the party is not so joyous then you probably can rely on the fact that the fence and the barriers are going to remain in place but if it's an explosive party and the energy is like so 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 and crazy then the barricades that were put are going to be broken that's just the nature of joy you can't expect that they're going to be kept exactly where they were placed because when there is where there's this bursting energy joy breaks open bursts open boundaries and that is physically and spiritually emotionally psychologically when a person is happy you're loud why are people loud when they're happy because their energy is bursting they can't contain it inward it's a a great surge of energy that's what joy does it's a surge of energy and therefore causes expansion and openness and so forth so in order for god to interact descend and um become engaged with the world it requires us making him joyous and that's the meaning of the verse which simply means i rejoice in god on the simple level isaiah yeshaya novi says i rejoice in god which means it's my joy but my the topic of my joy why am i so happy is that i'm close to god i have access to god i connect to god in my relationship with god that makes me happy but the deeper meaning is says joy us is Hashem. i will deliver joy to god we make god happy and once we make god happy what does that do to him it causes him to to socialize to socialize with the world to get involved with the world we increase the divine flow 
through our increased joy in God. How do we make God happy? What are we going to do to bring him joy? So here is what we do to make God happy. We observe his commandments. The observance of the commandments of the Torah and the mitzvahs bring joy to God. Why does the observance of commandments bring joy to Hashem? Because the commandments are rooted, even though the commandments as the, the, the external face of the commandments as we encounter them are extremely physical and earthy, which means every commandment relates to a physical activity. This week in the Torah, we have a commandment to write a Torah. That's one of the commandments, Pashas Vayelech, the small, smallest Torah portion, and it's the mitzvah to write a Torah. So the Torah that we are writing is a physical Torah made out of an animal hide. I don't want to say this about a Torah, but if you would just look at it extre extremely externally, please don't take this as an insult, it's a cow with graffiti on it. Really what it is. It's you've written up a hide of a cow. But it's not a cow with graffiti. It's a holy Torah. But externally, it's, it's physical. Now, this holy Torah that is so, so amazing, we're seeing its external feature, physicality of it. What's really inside of it? The code of all, the divine code of existence is all inside of it. And all the spiritual worlds are hinged, all the worlds, worlds upon worlds of celestial beings that are so, so magnificent and so wondrous and so ex unbelievable, um, 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 beautiful. And they're all being nurtured, entire worlds, by, by each one of these letters sustains and is the energy force for, 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 for entire galaxies, spiritual galaxies. That's, however, the inside of the Torah. That's the Torah as God sees it. He sees its inner light. We read it, and perhaps we probe a little deeper. We scratch a little bit inward, and we see some deeper, mystical, higher ideas in it. But we're not really, really appreciating and seeing it for what it is. So what we see over here is that on the one hand, the mitzvahs, and that I gave you an example of a Torah. The same is next week, uh, two weeks from now, uh, we're going to hold a citrus fruit and a myrtle and a, a myrtle branch and a and a palm branch and a, and a willow. We're going to take these four species together and we're going to shake them. It's a very physical plant, and it's nice and it's beautiful. But what is it really? It's the divine name. It's the four letters of God's name. You're holding God's, you're holding the four letters of Yud Kevavke. That's what you're holding. This is like unbelievable. It's infinite, it's boundless. So although the mitzvot on our end, well, last week we blew a shofar. It's again an animal horn making a very simple sound. Looks like a very primitive musical instrument. That's what a shofar is. An extremely primitive musical instrument. You can hardly call it music an instrument to emit sounds, a horn. And yet we know that through the shofar, we trigger the life of all of existence for the entire year, for all of mankind and for all of the world and for all of, of reality. So in every mitzvah, 
we see the outer physical side of it. Internally, however, what is contained in every mitzvah, where is it rooted? It is rooted in God. That means the true idea of every mitzvah. Mitzvahs are godly phenomena. That's what they are, godly phenomena. And we might say they're godly interests. We might say it's godly, um, godly innovations. We might say it's godly conduct. We might say it's godly behavior. But on the truth, on the deep, or God's, it's like God's ideas. It's even deeper than that. But on the truth, here's the deepest thing. It's divine sensations. That's what mitzvahs are. They are divine sensations. What sensation? Sensation is pleasure. It's divine, pleasurable sensations. And because, the, I mean, every the physical mitzvah that we are doing somehow is just a physical manifestation of some kind of a godly sensation that touches and reaches and stimulates in God pleasure. It's something utterly about him that we have no clue when we will be him, when Mashiach comes and after the resurrection and we will become so synchronized and we will be him, we will then experience not the reward of the mitzvah, we will experience the reward of the mitzvah as the mitzvah itself because we will then tune into the divine sensation. We will be one with him so we can feel his sensation. That's the ultimate reward. To experience the sensation that God has in the midst. Being that the mitzvahs, so Kabbalistically, this means that mitzvahs are rooted in Keter, in the crown, and in the crown and the innermost of the crown, which is the level of the infinite pleasure. When mitzvahs are done, and as a result of that, they bring out and uncover and bring forth God's pleasure. When the pleasure, when the divine being is kind of, and it's hard for us to accept or even imagine that we can have such impact and, and, and release the 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 inner pleasure of God and to bring it out into a state of consciousness, so to speak, in a state of revelation. But when that happens, it creates enormous joy, just like by us when we experience deep pleasure, we become happy. So when God experiences these deepest sensations of pleasure as a result of our mitzvahs, then that fills him with joy. Joy is that bursting energy that causes God to socialize and to engage in the world. And that's why the mitzvahs are so important to keep the flow of the divine blessing flowing into the world. That's why God says, when you will keep my mitzvahs, I will bless you. Because you'll have me engaged, involved, occupied. I will be interactive with the world. But if you are not doing my mitzvahs, I will, I will, I will become... I will go into myself. I will become secluded. I will become closed, closed into me. And I will I'll, I will be withdrawn. That's what it is. Like you have someone that you're close to and, they, and suddenly they become withdrawn. So even though they're here, 
but they're not there. You feel like there's a shell of them that you're that you're experiencing. Their inner being is like not there. You don't see anymore their sparkle coming through their eyes and their smile. So even though God is everywhere, the question is, is he here in a manner of presence and inner light? Or is he just here? His, but he's on, on, a, on an inside level, he's withdrawn. So mitzvahs bring him out and engage. And that's why the observance of mitzvahs is the source of all blessings. And the world is enriched a billion, a gazillion fold. Now, what happens as a result if, God forbid, there is a deficiency in mitzvah observance? Like we know sometimes because of our human state and that we have so much distraction and that we have egos and that we have animal souls and we have all of our um, foolish, small, sometimes not such foolish, hang-ups, difficulties, which we become carried away with. And as a result of that, we become a little negligent in the observance of the mitzvahs. So we're given this time of the year to replenish and re 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 reinvigorate and but in order to do that we need to bring back the joy but now you can't just go back on stoking the pleasure by god by doing the mitzvahs you know like i gave an example last time of someone who cares about his spouse his wife his husband and does things that make him happy but for whatever reason they become very busy with something else and they neglect their significant other and then so it doesn't work like you can reestablish things just like that. If you want to get back into the good graces, you want to really reconnect on a deep level. Now you got to go deeper. You got to do something a little bit more, more meaningful than the ordinary things that were keeping the interest and the connection going till now. So that's what Shoshana Yom Kippur. The chauffeur is that instrument, as we're going to see today, that also draws forth divine pleasure. But it, it draws forth divine pleasure from a much deeper inner place than where the mitzvahs, than where the mitzvahs are drawing from. As we're going to see, the mitzvahs are God's will, and in God's will, there dwells the divine pleasure, like in a person. And the things you want are usually some, a, an indication that that's where your pleasure is, because that's why you want these things. The things that we want is an indication of what kind of pleasure we have. What 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 registers and 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 um, and resonates with us on a very deep level, and that's expressed or it's behind. It's it's what's hiding behind behind every will. So the person who sees you have a want for something doesn't see the pleasure. They can only see the will. But if you're thinking a little deeper, then you then you then you realize that that person must have a pleasure. And that's why if the will, if they really wanted something, and it really was meaningful to them, And you know what you can see it you can see it primarily when it comes i'll give you a, a, an example but an example i think that really captures it person is building a home 
they made a home and then they have a certain paint color that they want this room to be so they choose the paint and the paint has to be a certain color you can't explain rationally why it's this paint this color but this is what this is what resonates with their soul and this is where their pleasure is at their pleasure will be that if their study or if their living room or if their dinette or kitchen or whatever it is there's different places of the home has to have a certain look that resonates with the person's inner style and inner being which sometimes it can't be explained rationally it's just this is the way i am and what and what and what the type of person you are if you have the means some people don't have the means but if you have the means to build a house that really reflects who you are you build it with your design and it gives you a very very deep sensation so imagine you know you you know you've worked you have your home you contacted the interior designer you got you picked out the paint you get you the other thing and and you walk in and it's the and, and it's exactly the way you wanted it so you sit back there in the room especially if the interior design didn't just put the paint but also put the couches and the things and the whole interior of the curtains and you walk in and you just sit back and you're like that 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 which you've been always like dreaming of having now it's there your your will was fulfilled but what but, but behind now to the people outside they see the will but to you it's not the will it's this deep sensation that that this that 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 is that is that this conforms with the deepest with this deep inner desire that you have which reflects on your pleasure but what would happen if you walk in after all this was chosen and done and then you walk in and something is just not right and the shade of the color of the paint is just a little bit off and it's not it it's just a little bit off so it's amazing how much pain a person can have how much disappointment there's almost like you know like they're they're like there's something deep inside of him that was like torn I don't know if they can fix it they can fix enough like this deep like frustration because it's not it's just not it what is it what's the difference this is the color and that's not the color it's just for whatever reason and you know it you just know it in your bones because you know what you want that's the, the the pleasure and the joy god gets in the fulfillment of his mitzvahs exactly like he wants it and this, by the way, explains the hangups that God has on the little details, which sometimes we think is ridiculous. Come on. What's wrong with just doing the mitzvah in the spirit of the mitzvah? Why do I have to keep Shabbat exactly like the law says? Isn't it just the idea of Shabbos is so nice? We have a rest day. It's time for family. It's a time for people to disengage from technology. A time you can get more, 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 more important, more involved. How many people are there that love the idea of shabbos they just don't want to keep shabbos the way god told us to keep it and god he's he's almost people would say neurotic in how how ridiculous he sounds like because if you get into the deal the details of law it becomes so unbelievably um i don't know what you would call it minuscule and, and almost seems to be super petty and we wonder and go, okay so go speak to the person who 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 
who who who doesn't want to pay for the contractor or for the interior designer just because the paint is a little bit off. What do you mean? It's it's it, it's almost, but almost doesn't count. It's either the way I want it, or you don't want it. it. It doesn't work. This is the color. That's not the color. That's that's what it is. The way God wants the mitzvahs is the way He wants the wants the mitzvahs, and only when it is performed exactly as it is prescribed in the code of the Torah, which is the oral Torah, because the oral Torah has the 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 um, ex, uh, has the the ability to extrapolate exactly through the various different methods that God taught Moshe to pick up on the nuances of God's will. So let's go back. What happens if, as we spoke earlier, there was a lack in one's observance? So then we need to replenish and open up and bring forth a new pleasure from God. A new pleasure, which obviously once the pleasure is restored and the excitement is restored, then there's a whole new joy, and the whole new joy means a whole new, a whole new um, communication, a whole new interaction with God, a refreshed relationship. The shofar has the ability to touch the level of divine pleasure on a much deeper level even than divine will. Mitzvot are the divine will. The the which in them is dwells the divine pleasure. The shofar, the level of sensation in which it 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 it, it connects to, that it that it that it touches, that it stimulates, that it awakens, is on a much, much higher, infinitely deeper, higher level than the sensation that is stirred in God through the observance of mitzvahs. And it's precisely because of that, that one little shofar sound can replenish an entire year's worth of misobservance in the mitzvahs. That's the soap, that's the power. And that energy is actually available to us for the next 10 days. Next, now, okay, six days. And I still told Yom Kippur, six, seven days. So let's read inside. This is the idea which he's going to explain over here. But before he goes there, he's going to first give a little bit more, a better understanding of why the mitzvah, the mitzvah, the mitzvahs, the pleasure of the divine associated with mitzvahs, although it's his pleasure, is considered external compared to what we reach through our teshuva. It's the tshuva, it's not just the shofar. The sound of the shofar is physical, and it has to be only through a horn and the physical sound, but it also contains within it the cry of the soul. And the cry of the soul and its yearning to reunite with God is really what touches and reaches in to a much deeper level of pleasure in God, even then these mitzvahs. Okay, but first he's going to explain where now the supernal will of God, which is the idea of the crown, as we said earlier, 
mitzvahs are rooted in the crown and the level of divine will. And the divine will is a seat where the divine pleasure dwells upon. So Kabbalistically, Nikra Galgalta, it's called the skull. God appears to us in the form of a human. The form of the human is not a physical form of a human, but a spiritual being, a divine being, made up of ten sephiro, ten powers, which those ten powers are the spiritual, um, um, spiritual form of the physical body. Just like the physical, or let's put it this way, the physical body that we have are just a container and a vessel in which the spiritual powers of the human enclose themselves in. So there is intellectual powers. So that obviously the intellect goes into the physical head, physical brain. The emotions are more associated with the with the heart and with the 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 the, the midsection of the person. And then the practical emotions, the more active emotions, the emotions that lead more to behavior or behavioral emotions as opposed to experiential emotions, which are mainly about the experience, but rather the emotions that are more driven towards the drive action and behavior. Those are associated and those dwell, the physical container for them are the lower part of the body from the legs and downward. So Hashem, just like we have these powers, Hashem too, is in this being. And obviously the divine intelligence is in the divine head, in the divine brain. How about the divine will? Which as we explained earlier, the mitzvot are the divine will. Their will that transcends reason. You can't apply logic to mitzvahs. You see, God is not trying to be logical. When you read God's requirements in mitzvahs, you're experiencing the most irrational type of situation yeah some mitzvahs make sense but the general gist of the details especially when it comes down to all these nuances it's completely irrational because it's emanating from a place beyond even the divine intelligence it's the divine will which is the keta which is the crown now the crown you a crown that we know sits above the head but in the body itself, there is also a crown. The beginning of the crown is the skull. That's why when a baby is born and when the head starts coming out, it's called the crowning. Well, just the skull. So the skull is also called the crown. So not just the hat that goes on top, but the, the, the skull itself is the crown. So the mitzvot, which are rooted in the kasser element of the divine, are called the skull of the human, the supernal human. Nekra Galgalta, it's called the Galgoles, the Chafya that covers Almoicha on the brain, just like the skull covers on the physical brain. Which is above, above. When he says two times above, what he really means is, is that it's way above, which is which is much higher than the intellect of god uh, even the wisdom which is the highest level of the intellect it's much higher than the wisdom which is meicha, which is the brain the skull is indicative of an, of the of of the divine of divinity that's that's still that's still infinite 
the 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 brain is already considered lights contained in vessels the intelligence is light is already considered limited even god's intelligence is considered limited in comparison to divine will which is called the skull physically the fact that the skull is higher up it's a higher meaning at a higher place than the brain the brain is under the skull the skull is on top of the brain that's an indication that spiritually as well the skull is a higher level than the brain and immediately he's immediately going to object to that he's going to say well hold it come on how can you give more value to the skull over the brain even in the human being everybody knows there's nothing more important than the brain the brain is the most sensitive part of the human being and phys and it is the host it is the facility in where the the most powerful the very seat of our consciousness the very seat of everything is in the brain the entire um 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 um, um the entire the computer that runs the entire human experience all sensation all feeling everything the whole nerve system is all is all is all connected to the brain and that would mean that in, in terms of that's physically and that would also mean that spiritually it's that way the energy of the mochen is and the skull what's the skull what is the skull the skull is a piece is a hard bone that's meant to be it's it's a it's a uh, case it's a casing for it's like you know there's a jewelry uh, a diamond box there's a gift box and there's the diamond itself the brain is the diamond the, the 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 skull is the casing god has to create a very hard protective uh, um, um thing to protect such a precious commodity like the brain and halakhically we know that a tiny little hole a tiny little um, incision in the brain causes is 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 um is fatal Halakhically, regarding an animal, we know that animals that are that are have a fatal injury, even if they're alive, are not kosher. Even if you slaughter them properly, if you inspect the animal and it has a fatal injury, what does it mean a fatal injury? It has an injury that is going to lead to this animal to die. Even if the animal is still alive a week, a month, even three months, we consider that animal a dead animal. And when you slaughter it, you've slaughtered a dead animal, which isn't kosher, called treif. So the laws is that if there's a tiny little hole in the brain, the animal is not kosher. But if there's a hole in the skull, the animal is kosher. What do you see from here? You can't compare the significance of the skull to the brain. What are we learning here in the discourse? That by God, the Galgalta, the skull, which is where the mitzvahs come from, and that's where the pleasure of the divine dwells, the infinite pleasure of God, is even higher than divine logic. How does that how does that work? That's his question. The question is, the question is a very known question. Actually, the holy Arizal asks this question. Sharchov Bay's portal 22 parake in the fifth chapter. We see literally a physical human being that the brain sorry that the skull all it is is a hard bone 
that surrounds the head. And how much, let me ask, how much energy, how much life force is there in a human's brain? The brain is the most living entity of your entire body. It's got the most life. That's where all the experiences are felt. That's where everything registers, sight, sounds, taste. And that's why if there's a little injury in the brain, the person doesn't have taste. They don't have, they can't, if an injury, God forbid, can go blind, they can lose, they can be paralyzed in various different parts of their body, right side, left side. The brain controls everything. The life force in the brain is enormous. How much life is there in the skull? And it's also part of the, the, the but it's, it's minuscule compared to the brain. And the brain is the is the seat, the mishkan, the dwelling place for the general, all in, all encompassing life force, or rather, the general life force, shalom adam of the person, and we also find that, and we see it from the opposite. If there is a whole krum shalmayach of the krum, krum is the is the um, what they call krum. Krum is the tissue. I think I think it's another word for it. Oh yeah, the membrane, the membrane of the brain. If it becomes, if it gets a hole in it, then the animal is considered not kosher because the animal is considered like it has a fatal injury. A small little injury causes causes the the energy because it has to be a perfect vessel. If the vessel is damaged, this very sensitive and powerful energy cannot dwell there because the higher something is the more sensitive it is to the tiniest little um detail which is in the case in the skull the animal is not considered which means fatal injury only if most of the brain of the skull get crushed. If most of the bone of the skull got crushed, then the animal is considered treif. But if it's just a hole, small hole, it's all kosher. And the reason is, because life is not dependent so much on the skull. And if that's the case physically, and the physical is a reflection of the spiritual. So, love my God, love the So, why is it so great? And why is it so high? When we speak about the superhuman, when we speak about the cosmic human, and we speak about the Galgolas, which is the skull, and we say that it is so, so, so high, and we say it's so much greater than over even the brain, the divine brain, which is the divine intelligence. And the answer is as follows. It is true. There is a great, great advantage and quality to the brain. It is very great. The brain is the main energy, the main animating power within the person is enclosed in the brain. It's the internal lie. It's the internal element of the human experience. Meaning to say that the brain is what takes life and internalizes it into consciousness. 
not every aspect of our of our life force is are we conscious of a lot of our life force remains outside of our awareness whatever life force remains above our awareness is above the brain the brain is the conductor that conducts the super energy into the into the inner experience as a result of the brain there is consciousness and there is internalized experience that's why power of vision hearing sight sound these are all internal experiences experiences that we are very aware of and conscious of and so on and so forth this is that's where so that's why brain is called pneumius and in that sense the brain is very powerful because in terms of the inner human and when we say inner human means energies that are experienced in containers and vessels which is the internalized conscious realm of the human being so the brain is therefore super powerful however what the brain is therefore lacking is the brain is the superconductor for the internalized energy but the elements of our life force the elements of our soul that are too vast and too powerful for us to be conscious of they don't manifest in the brain because the thing about the brain is the brain wants to experience and internalize whatever it's 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 whatever energy is manifest it's is is it's touching the brain is a internalizer that that's what it's about since the brain is an internalizer so the brain from the very onset only receives what can be internalized energies that are bigger than internalization don't from the very onset reg don't don't connect to the brain so what then if they're not internalized they're kind of like not even inside our body no they are they relate to the body and that is like a person we find that people a person has a space the space is like around you that space is you it's almost like there's an extension of you outside of your body halakhically it's that way four cubits around the human being is considered your space if someone if you have an, a lost object if there's a if there's a, 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 a owner's object and you step into the space and you claim it it's yours no one is allowed to take it because you were in its space it's like your space it came into your into your parameters now what is that is that you it's not you it is you and then we see we see also like people get very nervous if someone gets a little too close to them like you're you're I mean, obviously, certain settings, if you're sitting in Shul or Shoshana, you're kind of squished because a lot of people are here, at least. Um, so you, 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 you tolerate the fact that people are in your space. But when someone gets into your face, like right at you, 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 get, you get like, uh, because there is, so even though it's you, it's not the experimental, experiential you, but it's you. And that's your higher soul powers that hover in your body above your body. What's the main seat of where this higher soul the power of the soul that's vast that's too big to enter into consciousness 
Where does it sit? Primarily on your skull. So is the skull higher than the brain or lower than the brain? So it depends from which angle we're looking at it. From the internalized human experience, from the brain's perspective, the skull is like, come on, just a bone, you know? From the perspective of experience, the skull almost is, is insignificant. I mean, you need it to protect the brain, and that's about it. But from a more spiritual, from a more mystical place, where you where where you where you where you recognize that there is so much more to you than what your than your logic, your understanding, your comprehension, the life force of the human that's bigger than you. The skull is very important. The skull includes the forehead. Over here is where the the the, the real the powerful divine energy of the human being sits. Very, very powerful. And here's the deal. The question is, if it's even higher than the, than the, than the, than the internalized power, the, the, the part, in other words, if the skull is, is, is the place, the seat, for the higher, for the higher you, for the more expansive you, for the more, you know, for the for the for the more intense and more powerful human, more than. So, wouldn't we expect that the skull should be a more advanced vessel than the brain? That would mean that if the brain, which is only the container for a lower, more contracted energy of your soul, a limited energy of your soul. And the brain is so sophisticated and so sensitive and so refined. So can you imagine the skull where the, where the, where the soul is sitting uninhibited, unrestricted, uncontained? So why is the, stone, the, 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 the skull just a piece of bone without much refinement to it and as we see that the vessel is not even so important that if it gets injured it's still kosher the answer is to the energy of your being of your soul that is vessel-able okay to that which part to the part of ourselves that could be contained in a container in a vessel you need a really good vessel. But the part of you that's not containable and it's not channelable and it's not internalizable in any type of internalization, so it doesn't really need a vessel. And it has to dwell somewhere. So as long as there's something there, so there is a vessel. The vessel is the head. So it sits on top of the head. And more than that, because it's so high and it, it's unwilling to contract, it's unwilling to water itself down to the narrowness, it would rather a vessel that doesn't ask so much questions. <laughs> it's like, 
You know, you don't want to, it doesn't want to deal with the brain. The brain, the brain is too curious. The brain is too in, in, inquisitive. The brain wants to understand. And this part of the soul doesn't want to lend itself to understanding. So it doesn't want to deal with a curious brain. It doesn't want a brain. Give me a, give me a bonehead. That's what it wants. It wants a pure bone, which is going to leave it alone. It's just sitting there and it's a place where it can dwell without anybody poking into it. It's known that the big rebbies, including the Chabad Rebbeim, <laughs> they used to hire their their attendants that would that that worked for them were always known to be not too smart. They had secretaries that were brilliant, but you know the people that were involved in their day to day chores in the house, they were most of the time picked people that were pretty simple. And that's because in their private lives where they were being on a much higher level, being to themselves, and they weren't, they weren't lowering themselves down. The secretaries, the communicators, they're already the Rebbe, the, the master, the teacher, as they are condensing and lowering themselves down. Then you want smart, intelligent students who can then pass the information on internalize it and shit but that's only on the, those elements of the rebbe of the teacher in which they are sharing but when you're dealing with the rebbe with the teacher with the master as they are for themselves if you're going to bring in someone who's always going to ask questions and everything and wants to understand everything then the then the then the, then the teacher the, the the master can't be at home can't be himself he needs someone who's not who's 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 simple and, and doesn't really notice anything. And there he can dwell. It's the same idea. So the skull, precisely because it's a skull head, precisely because, as we said, it's a bonehead. Besides, there's nothing because it's there's no sophistication to it, precisely because of that, meaning it's external, not internal, precisely because of that, the greater makif energy, the greater soul can feel comfortable on. So which one is greater, the, the skull or the brain? Well, the brain internalizes whatever is going into it. The brain is absorbing. The brain becomes one with the energy that's going in, but a far lesser energy of the soul. The skull is not internalizing anything. Precisely because of that, it's a good place for the greater expansive soul to dwell. And the same is also when it comes to the supernal man above. Even the divine brain, which is the is the great the divine God's brain. Right? It's a seat for the divine intelligence, for that element of the of of God that is possible for it to be experienced and revealed in vessels and containers. But the true life force of God. The real infinite true infinity of the divine that is infinitely higher than vessels containers and intelligence does it have a relationship with the with the creation with the cosmic order yes but only with the skull only at the that's where it dwells so where are the mitzvahs rooted going back to the mitzvahs which the mitzvahs we said 
are the will of God and they come from the Keter. The mitzvahs are the will, they're the skull. But on the mitzvahs rides God's very self, which we said before is his pleasure, his inner self, the divine pleasure, which is, as he says over here, Mash and Kenagogoyles, which isn't the case of the Gogoles, the skull, it's only external. Even though it's external, it's the vessel. When we say vessel, we don't mean over here so much vessel as in terms of internalizing type of a vessel. But a vessel meaning more like a base. It's a base where 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 the 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 infinite can just sit on a place that it can, it's almost like a landing a landing page a landing platform a landing place or mishkan and it's a dwelling for the dwelling for the supernal pleasure to to land on much more than chachma than wisdom because wisdom can only take a mythic, a, a little crumb of the divine pleasure and, and internalize it. So we're going to see he refers to it as a ray, a tiny external ray of the divine pleasure could be internalized in wisdom. Wisdom is also very pleasurable, but it's only a ray. And, and the human experience would be something like this. When we comprehend and understand something, we learn something, we comprehend something, we understand something, it usually is accompanied by great pleasure. So the ple- the greater inner life force of the person, where the which at the very core of life is pleasure. When there is a a a new revelation of insight of wisdom in the brain, when you have an epiphany, a new insight, a creative thought. You become filled with pleasure because, but what kind of, understand how much pleasure is emanating now from your greater soul, true soul pleasure. That's not in your conscious experience. The inner pleasure of your soul itself, how much of it is revealing itself into your conscious, into your conscious experience of pleasure that comes along in your, with you, only a little cry, a little ray of your pleasure. Where does your pleasure, your greater expansive pleasure dwell, it dwells in the things you want. And we said before, but it's not as sharp. When the pleasure comes, it's not as sharp. It's not so as acute. It's not as, as experienced, but it's like a sensation that you're feeling like from the distance, but it just feels really right. It's hard to explain these things because we're dealing with really subtleties. I'm saying when you study something, you have a new idea, and you have pleasure, your pleasure fills you. But when you have a will and a desire, as we spoke earlier, you wanted your kitchen to look like this and that, it's not so much like a thrilling pleasure, but it's like a deep satisfaction. Pleasure is there, and it's now here's the thing: that pleasure, that satisfaction, that that is hiding behind every one of one's wills. And I'm talking about silly wills. I'm talking about 
things that you really want in your life, as we said, a person builds a home, builds a, you know, it's, you don't have too many chances in life to like build your home and make that home be as you want it to be. You build your dream home, you build your, and, and you become, that sensation is not so much an internalized sensation, but you're actually, in, in that will, you can sense behind it is that the, the pleasure of your greater life's life force. It's much bigger than, than the narrowness of the experience of pleasure that comes in the internalized experience of, of wisdom. So the pleasure of from Chachma and downward is a more internalized pleasure, but it's only a very, it's a ray of your pleasure. It's not your it's not the pleasure itself of your soul. It's only a little light emanating from that pleasure. The pleasure, what did we say earlier? Where does the greater will, where does the greater life force of the person that's greater than conscious experiences on the skull? The skull mystically is associated with will, the will. That means that the higher life force, which is the inner pleasure of a person's being, dwells not internalized but dwells on the will and that has to do with these satisfactions that we have when what we want and what we desired has been fulfilled that's why god says you know i am i am so satisfied i have such a delight god says that I spoke and my will was fulfilled. The Indian and idea is because the supernal pleasure over here he means not a ray, a little crumb of the pleasure, but the supernal pleasure itself, cannot come to a state of enclosement. It cannot come into a state of panemius, which means internalization. It remains in a state of hovering. from above. It's not vesselable, like we said earlier. It's not internalizable into one's consciousness. And precisely because of that, where is it comfortable dwelling? In something that is not that is not hungry for internalized experience. Somebody that's not curious, someone that's not gonna probe, someone that can just be there and you know. It dwells in the external vessels. The inter the internal vessel. That's what he's saying. He's calling the skull an external vessel. Versus the brain, which is an internal mess. Because it's too deep for the brain. It's too much for the brain. And the brain will try, because the brain can't handle not experiencing something. So the brain is going to try to internalize it. But if the brain is going to internalize, it's going to fry the brain. So God says, better not. Don't give the brain this. Let's, let's hang out on the skull. The soul itself hangs out. Hangs the, 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 the greater life force of the soul dwells on the skull, as we mentioned earlier. And therefore, the bone of the skull 
which is the external element of the vessel, is more fitting for it to be a vessel and a dwelling place to the dwelling to the dwelling of the encompassing life, uh, encompassing force, all of that's on it, both in the human and also in the great cosmic human. On the great cosmos, in the higher general superhuman, the skull is a greater, which in this case is manifested in the mitzvot, is where the higher inner sensation of God's inner being dwells. And that's why it's also in the human being below. He's first, what he was speaking about, how it is above, and obviously this is by the person as well. Where do you find by the person? Not every, not, you don't, it's not the, that's what we mentioned earlier. Your entire life force is not enclosed inside your body, even physically. The energy of, of a person's, of a person that motorizes the body and our inner experiences, our, what we know as ourselves, our conscious selves, that's not your whole soul. That's the tail end of your soul. It's a ray of the soul. And what does become enclosed? What's the first seat from where it's from where that enclosement happens? Where does life begin to open up in a revealed way into the human experience? It happens in the brain. It takes place in the brain in an internalized way. But the etzamanishama, but the essence of the soul, which is an encompassing um, energy, again, it cannot fit in. It doesn't, it's not part, it's it's much bigger than our conscious selves. Shoida, it dwells, umakif, and it encompasses. Really, we said there's a certain element of it that surrounds you up to four cubits, a distance of around four feet around the person, or six feet around the person, which is this area, the space in which your soul dwells but primarily it sits right over here so this will also just like it is physically in the human body the same is also when we say physical skull there is also the spiritual skull which is the concept of will will is also considered external in the will itself, there isn't the revelation of pleasure. In will, there isn't the revelation of pleasure in an internalized way, but it's in a level of over there dwells the pleasure not in a way that the will internalizes the pleasure the will is just the 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 seat or the platform which on top of it rides the pleasure and that's why a person has will drive in various different things and then when that drive and that will is fulfilled and you reach and your will has been actualized you can't even explain it and understand it it gives you a really, really deep satisfaction. And that satisfaction is not just a satisfaction of your conscious self. 
The satisfaction is the satisfaction of your encompassing being. In other words, when you walk into the room and the curtains are exactly the right color and the windows are exactly like like it and the decor is perfectly fitting who you are and you go, ah, you think it's your, intellectually in your conscious self, it feels good, but that doesn't compare to how much your greater life force, which means your, how much you're saying, ah, the invisible you that's around you, is like quelling <laughs> so much more intensely because that's where the real ah is coming from. It's almost like your background, you, is really what's satisfied. But it's too deep and too, too incomprehensible for the mind. So we just feel it a little bit. It's almost like the person's skull lights up. <laughs> When it's satisfied, your skull is lighting up. Not your brain, your skull. Well, maybe it's the reason why when someone is really, really satisfied, their face is shining over here. There, there. I'm just making that up now, but this this kind of concept. It is a a a, a satisfaction before me. Shamarti, I said. And this pleasure that dwells and encompasses over the supernal will, that's what we are bringing about when God sits there and he is satisfied when his will, which on top of his will dwells the infinite pleasure. So God's very self is deeply satisfied and very pleasured, if you can say, as a result of our mitzvahs. And that's why he's in a really good mood. And he is joyous. That energy increase from that satisfaction increases the energy, which stimulates the socializing or the interactiveness of God with the world especially since we're the ones who are causing this pleasure. Now with this is all an introduction to understand why the shofar is going even deeper than that. Because as much as the pleasure, as high and as deep as the greater internal life, which is the greater Again, life at its very, 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 very core, in its purest, purest, purest state, is enormously pleasurable. The sensation of life is pleasure. We once discussed this in a class a couple of weeks ago. The pleasures that we get from, in, from various different experiences in life that's already a droplet of life of the of the of the of the essential pleasure as it's being mixed into a little drop of it as it is being it's almost like essence is pleasure the essence of the soul the essence of substance of life itself but just like essence you can't experience essence it's too deep for experience 
and then you get a tiny little bit of oil from the essence mixes into the various different things on we eat and we experience a sensation of pleasure in the food it's a tiny droplet an external 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 emanation of the essential pleasure of just being life itself it's inner pleasure manifesting in our consciousness through the food food other experiences music visuals we see things that are beautiful people travel all over the world just to satisfy pleasure to experience pleasure pleasure in visual pleasure in arts and hearing and audio and food and in study in, in all the different in relationships and emotional bonding and so on. these are all tidbits of pleasure a higher pleasure is when a person's will is filled you have a desire a core will as we spoke earlier that's already more that's already a experiencing the the general pleasure not the detailed droplet of pleasure it's the pleasure itself however since it's dwelling on the on the skull and the skull is an external vessel so it's the ex not array of the array means a tiny crumb of it not the ray of it but it's the external side of the pleasure that is dwelling on the on the skull which is an external bone so the external element of pleasure dwells on the will the external element of the inner pleasure however is it possible to tap and to touch and to bring forth the pleasure of essence itself which is so deep and unexpressible and unrevealable, um, um, is it possible for it to come out not on an external vessel, but in an internal experience? In other words, it should have both qualities. It should have the quality of, of, of it not being a a a a um a mitigated ray a, a a diluted a diluted expression a diluted uh which means it should be the, the 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 substance of the inner pleasure of life itself and we said earlier that that level of pleasure can only be generally experienced on the in on an at a, in a more distant way on a more external level like skull experience which is a more hovering type of an experience is it possible to experience both at the same time the inner pleasure the inner substance of pleasure and that inner substance of pleasure should manifest internally inside the brain that should completely be such a sensation that should as we spoke spoke earlier that should really completely electrocute the person from the pleasure it should it should it should completely it should, and therefore it doesn't 
but there are experiences of life in life with the higher inner core essential pleasure does fully reveal itself in an internalized way not in a background satisfaction like we spoke earlier a sensation that's more in the in the in the background or the encompassing type level I think only a moment of the deepest bond with a child or something like that can evoke such a deep core essential pleasure and bring it out into a full experience, but it's not just a background satisfaction. It's, it's an internalized essential experience of pleasure. That kind of is what the chauffeur is doing. The chauffeur is going beyond the mitzvahs. The mitzvahs are related to skull. Remember we said skull has a quality. The quality is it's the seat for the essential pleasure. But it can't internalize it. So it's hovering at a distance. It's on top of the skull. It's not internalized. The brain internalizes. But what does it internalize? An external ray, which we call a droplet of that pleasure, but not, not the essence of it. Bringing both of them together, the essence of the pleasure in a way of internalization, that's the chauffeur. And that's why its potency is a gazillion times more than all the mitzvahs put together. In terms of what it evokes, the pleasure in God, and therefore, as we spoke this week, once we unlock this level in God as a result of our shofar, we're now marinating in that in that light, which was which was pulled forth by the shofar. God's essential pleasure internalized, and from with that energy, we can repair every every deficiency. It's a million times more potent than all the mitzvahs put together. And a million is a very um, poor number to use. It's incomprehensibly and incomparably and immeasurably higher than the energy of all the mitzvahs. See, when we speak about these subtle differences, they seem to be just, oh, still the pleasure of death. No, no, no. They, you're dealing with the most inner dimensions of the infinite. As you're going deeper, it's like each level is like so much unmeasurably higher and 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 inaccessible to the previous level. And yet we 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 break those barriers and we go all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way in and touch God at such a such a core level. That's the cry of the chauffeur. It's the it's and it's the mitzvah of tshuva. That's why tshuva fixes all the commandments. Ten days of tshuva. Well, this will understand the difference. Between the commandment of the shofar, the mitzvah of the shofar of Rosh Hashanah and the mitzvahs of all year long. Because on Rosh Hashanah and in the ten days of repentance, 
the verse says, Dear Shu Hashem, seek out God, be he matzo when he is to be found. Sages say, what does it mean, seek out when he is to be found? It means the time when God is most accessible. When is God most accessible? These 10 days. From Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur. What does it mean? It's a time, Shuhuzman, this is the time, Tikkun, when we can repair all the blemishes and all the lackage and everything that's lacking. If we were lacking in a particular mitzvah, we were a little sloppy. We weren't in Israel. We didn't give tzedakah the way we should. We didn't study Torah the way we should. We didn't care for other people the way we should. We weren't sensitive enough. We didn't keep Shabbos the way we should. Or any kind of mitzvah that whatever, whatever reason we neglected, or even if we did it, we did it sloppy and mindlessly or whatever it is. Or as he's saying, either we missed the mitzvah, or even if we did it, but we did not come through the way we should. We did it very an abridged version. We didn't do the mitzvah with our full attention. And also the opposite. As a result of, God forbid, doing violations, doing things we ought not to be have been doing. Which caused blemishes, caused scars and bruises and 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 and, and who knows what. And to rectify all the blemishes. And to make up for all the lacking you cannot repair that from the same level of where the mitzvahs are just by restarting it. You have to go deeper. And which means it's not enough to draw forth the external lever, level of the infinite pleasure, which dwells on will, on the mitzvahs, which is will, which is the skull, as we discussed earlier, which is Hashem's skull. Which suffices through the flow of mitzvahs of all year long, what we draw down through the commandments all year long. which are the supernal will, which is the external of the infinite. and the mitzvahs are only a container umishkan, and they are dwelling but they don't internalize it. Remember we said it's only a place, a landing platform where the, the supernal will can dwell. And that's why we spoke that when a person's will is fulfilled, you feel the sensation, you feel satisfied, but you don't internalize the pleasure, like an internalized type of experience. It's, it's, it's more of a, a distant sense of satisfaction. The Einayala Kaili, it's and the same as with God. It's the will is a Kaili of Omishkan Lashras Ainagalian and a and a dwelling for the supernal pleasure. Shashaido Makavalovamaila that dwells and encompasses it from above. Ikanoidam Inyan. Oh now, so it's not enough to do that. Now we gotta go deeper in and we have to access the quintessential pleasure itself, the inner reservoir of pleasure. The inner root of all pleasure, the pleasure of all pleasures. We call the class the quintessential pleasure itself. Now, this idea that when you need to repair, you can't just do the repair by just going back to business as usual. You need to go even stronger in in order to repair. You see it, it gives an example from a river. 
He gives an example from a river. What's the example from a river? And you know, a river that has gone dry. The Yavish. You have a river that became dried out. So, how do you get the river flowing again? So, you have to go to the river source. And you want to pull the water from the river source, but the river source are springs, but the spring dried out. So, you got to dig deeper into the spring because the spring is really there. It's just like on the outer surface, the waters are being blocked. So the water before the spring before was active, but now as it dried, you need to you need to you need to dig out until you find the spring at a much deeper place in the earth, and from there you uncover the water, and then you can replenish the river. And that's the same idea. In order to replenish the flow of divine energy, which is associated with divine pleasure, which comes from the fulfillment of divine will, if there's been a blemish in the will, which we all have blemished the will, because none of us are perfect. So in order to re-engage and re-involve, we gotta we gotta really, really, really open God up at a much deeper place. You gotta dig much deeper. So what's our digging tool? What's the digging tool? The shofar. The shofar is where we dig God, we dig God out at the very, very core. We dig so deep into God. It's such a powerful weapon. It's that simple cry. In the, in the first mimer, this mimer is an explanation. Here he doesn't explain it, but in the first discourse, it's the pain that we feel from being distant from him. And when our soul weeps because we feel disconnected, that weeping cry is so, so dear to God. It gives him such pleasure that we, who are his children, want him. After maybe a long time after he's given up on us wanting him, because we found all kinds of other interests in life. Like a parent getting such aggravation that the child is not interested in a relationship with them. And it hurts the parent so much. A parent that is seeking to have a relationship with the child and the child turns the back. It's so painful. And and and, and then when for whatever reason the child cries out from a vet and, and and really wants to reconnect, that is touches the parent of the deepest core essence of their of their soul. So the cry of the chauffeur is our cry from feeling distant and far. And that is deeply, deep. It, that is the Hashem's sensation of the deepest love. And therefore it causes an outpouring of the quintessential pleasures of, of, of life, of God's inner being. And when it comes forth, it's not like it dwells on an external mitzvah, like on will, it comes forth in such an intense way. As he says, that's the idea of the mitzvah of the shofar. What's the sound of a shofar? The sound of a shofar is like a person first whimpering and then the and then sobbing. So it's the sob of the shekhinah. It's the sob of all souls. Which comes to awaken Yud Gimu Midasarachman, the 13 attributes of mercy. Now, what are what's the secret of the 13 attributes of mercy? Which are the 13 strands of God's beard, which are the 
overflow of the of the energy of the brain which is channeled into here and the highest levels of brain energy mature mind as it's called express itself in the beard here that's why you, one does not get facial hair until they are already older so uh, but this needs a little explanation we're going to explain it in a minute but what's the quality over here and which means brain is this is already internalized okay so here we got to be careful what do i mean we have to be careful because we're going to seem to be dancing back to a place that we said before it's considered a super which you considered only a tiny little crumb no. so here's what he's going to say what is the show for each the so show for each is the quintessential pleasure and therefore, what does it open up? It opens up 13 strands of God's beard. What does it mean? 13 strands of, that's the 13 attributes of mercy, which the chauffeur unlocks. And we continue saying the 13 attributes of mercy during the 10 days of Chuva, and primarily on Yom Kippur, we keep on re repeating 13 attributes of mercy. But who unlocked the 13? Where did the, un how did we get to this that we can say the 13 attributes of mercy and actually tug at them? It's because we blew the chauffeur. The chauffeur brings forth God's 13 attributes of mercy. What is the 13 attributes of mercy? 13 strands of God's beard. What's the greatness of the beard? So what he's saying is like this. Why does here grow? First, let's, let's define what here is. Here is a tube every here is a tube the tube has got a tube has got like a hole inside of it a the hole inside the tube is where life flows inside the here is where life flows and that's why here is alive but here is a very 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 minuscule projection of life so much so it doesn't hurt if you cut your hair because the life over there is so minuscule the life flowing in the rest of the limbs of the body is far more richer than if you cut it it hurts but the, you don't believe if you cut your hair but there is life in there now why is hair clustered around the brain around the head because where is, now there are other parts of the body that has hair. First of all, you could have hair all over your body, but primarily the hair is centered around that where there is immense energy. The highest level of energy is in the brain. The second highest level of energy is in the heart. And the third level of, of energy is in the reproductive element of the human. That's why the here in the person is gathered primarily in those three areas. You got the here, which are by the armpits that are related more to the chest, where the heart is. That's where the emotions are. And the here, there's the head here, and there is so three levels of here because where there is intense energy, 
Where there is intense energy, there is overflow of energy, overspill. And overspill comes in the hair. Okay, so now we understand hair in general. Around the brain, however, there is two levels of hair. There is the hair that grows literally on the skull. And then there is the hair that goes in the bottom of the face, around the face, which is the facial hair, at least by a man. And what does that mean? The hair on the head, even a little baby has. Babies are born with hair. But the hair on the face only comes at a mature age. Why is that? Because in general, there are two levels of brain, of brain energy. There is the, the amateur intelligence, and then there is the sophisticated intelligence. The amateur intelligence, even a little baby has certain intelligence. The overflow of the energy that's in the brain of the amateur intelligence spills into ordinary hair. The overspill, however, of the deeper intelligence, the much inner level of intelligence, expresses itself in, in facial hair in the beard. For that reason, when it comes to God's beard, we're dealing with overspill of a very high level of brain power. Okay, that's number one. But now we need to understand, take this a step deeper. When we're talking about brain over here, we're not talking about the same brain that we spoke about earlier. Earlier in the class, remember when we were discussing the difference between the skull and the brain? And we were talking about the brain being the transitioner of super, super, super conscious energies and transitioning it into consciousness. And as we discussed earlier, the conscious human is a very narrow human comparison to the greater, broader human life force that's not, that's not internalizable. So when we spoke about the brain, we were talking about the narrow, the brain of the narrow human, the human vesseled, limited human. Then we said the skull is the seat for the greater expansive human energy, the soul energy that is not containable in a body. And that can only dwell in external, on the skull. What dwells on it? What did we say earlier? The higher, the, the higher soul and ultimately the higher pleasure, which is the root, which is life itself at its very core. When we are speaking about brain now, we are not speaking about a brain that's below the skull. We're talking about the brain that's above the skull. Obviously, it's the invisible brain. It's not a brain that you can see. So what is that? It's the... It's if the greater soul itself, not the narrow, the narrow human, 
but the greater expansive human would have a vessel to contain, internalize its its infinite essential essential pleasure. Where is that experienced in an internalized way, not in an a, not just in a flow in a in an external, but in a in a, in an internal intent. In, but the intensity of the richness of the there is some in, in the human experience. There's no physical vessel for that. You don't have a brain up here above your skull. But you really do, even though physically you don't have it. Spiritually, we have. And that's called, let me give it a name. It's called Moyach Stima. It's called the concealed brain. There is the Moyach, there is regular Moichin, there is the revealed brain, which is the brain that we have under our skull which again transitions the energy of the soul into conscious experiences, which we can be conscious of in our limited bodies, in our limited faculties of our body. Then there is the skull, and then there is the brain of the skull, the brain of the infinite. It's from where all intelligence comes from, but it's beyond conscious intelligence. And on that place, on that inner, the pre-intelligence, over there, the inner pleasure dwells in an internalized way, not in an extra, not like on the skull. It's the, it's the element of the skull where, where the skull internalizes, so to speak. Or in a sense, we can say it's above the skull. So physically, there is no... So when we say the 13 attributes of mercy are strands of here that are coming from the divine brain, we don't mean the lower brain. We mean the higher brain, the moyach the concealed moach of keter of the crown. Since the shofar is touching the essential pleasure of God and stimulating it. And it's reaching into the pleasure of the divine as it is in an internalized way, not in an external manifestation, but it's in an internalized way. Now, any flow of life from that place, if it's going to flow down to the universe, into the creation, it must come through powerful, powerful contractions. Because if it was, it still has the enormous potency. It's it's just unbelievably potent. But it must be powerfully, powerfully compacted and contracted, concentrated. Because if it comes loose, it will electrocute the entire system. So it has to come through a very narrow channel, very intense. Those are the 13 strands of the beard. They're much higher. So it comes out like this. The 13 strands of the beard are much higher than the brain. God's brain is the Torah. It's much higher than the Torah. It's much higher than God's skull, which is the mitzvot. It's God's inner pleasure. 
delivered raw through a narrow channel of deep, 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 boundless, infinite divine compassion, which is associated with enormous pleasure that God has in us. The chauffeur stokes that, the chauffeur stimulates that, opens up that. The secret brain, the higher brain, and the strands of here that are coming from that brain. For that reason, the tshuva, the chauffeur and the tshuva, which is the repentance, which is a consequence of the chauffeur and a continuation of the chauffeur, is doing such cosmic repair. And has such potency to repair all of one's negligence of mitzvah observance. So now let's read it over here. Let's read it over again, the words we said. Whimpering sounds. And, and sobbing sounds. And this comes to awaken. 13 attributes of mercy. Shehen, what are they? Yud Gimel Tkunei Diyukna. They are the thirteen strands of hair, which are Moisrei Moichen. They're the overspill of the brain. Umoichen and brain. This is internalized experiences. We're not dealing with external, like will, that is just a seat where the higher pleasure rides upon or dwells upon. This is internalized. Hagam, but if he's holding, he's asking the question. Hagam she yud gimut kuni di yuk nehemam shachis shenim shuchula matam ebchenes Hold it. He's asking, even though the thirteen strands of the hair seem to be flows that are drawn lower than the galgalta, lower than the skull. Like physically, where is the beard? The beard is lower than physically, physiologically on the person's body. The beard is lower than the skull. The skull is higher up. Makomakun, nevertheless. They show up in a visible way lower on a person's lower half of their face. But what, what, what is the beard really coming from? They're coming from the invisible brain, not from the... It's coming from the... It's very high. That's why in Judaism, um, there is a very, very, very high sensitivity to the beard. And that's why it is very, very, very recommended that one does not shave their hair, their facial hair. For a man, obviously, who has facial hair, to have their beard is very powerful because in the beard, there's a, a very, very powerful, high-level um, energy, which is um, related to God's compassion on the deepest levels. He says, but where are they coming from? It's coming from brain, but which level of brain? Not the revealed brain, which we said before is where the superconscious transitions into consciousness. That's the narrow human, but rather it's the brain of the of the of the, of the more expansive, non-experienced human, the life force that's bigger than our vessels, than our human consciousness. The hidden moach, the hidden brain, the pre-brain, the pre-intelligence, but lakachem tikunim. And that's the reason why they are the corrective, the corrective um, channels, lesaking to fix all the damage that was done on the through the lack of observance, which is associated with the external skull. Why? 
Why is it so powerful? What's the secret of the potency of this of this flow? Because in the concealed, hidden brain, melubish is enclosed. This, the pure, unadulterated, supernal delight. But not like in the skull where it's only dwelling in an ex- on an external vessel. Over here, it's in a state of internalized light. But not internalized in a way where it's usually internalizing something in a vessel means... What, is it, what does it mean to internalize something in a vessel? It means to dilute it. This is not diluting it. This is an experience of the full intensity of it in an internalized way, not in a, not in a um, encompassing, extra, uh, um, distant manner. And it's not like what comes into the lower brain. Again, there's two brains. There's the brain under the skull and there's the brain above the skull. It's not like the ray. It, Understand in the in the chachma in the in the in the in the intelligence of the human and in the physical brain, there is also internalized energy. But that internalized energy is only a ray, an external ray of the pleasure. Like in the brain that's in the head, that's a very external level of your of your of 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 of. Like we said, little crumbs of pleasure that go into the intern go into the bodily experience of our bodies. But the vast, higher, inner, deeper, core, essential pleasure of life, of the soul, doesn't manifest in any of the internal organs, including the brain. But in the pre-intelligence, in the higher, hidden brain that we don't see, in the mayach over there, it has both qualities. It's internalized, and at the same time, it's the unadulterated pleasure, and undiluted pleasure. Because now he's going to differentiate. Because the brain that's below the skull, the brain that's in the head, is a level of energy that comes into full-fledged manifestation, full revelation. It's, it's those elements in our lives that we could comprehend, we can explain. We have reasons, we have logic. Logic, reason. That's very much a very, very limited self. What could be comprehended? And there is no revelation of pleasure there. There is pleasure, but only what? Only a little ray of the pleasure. That's why we find that when you come up with a new idea, when you have a new flash of insight, it immediately is accompanied by a sensation of pleasure. Which is not the case of the concealed moach. Let's call it the brain that's above our skull. It's what God says to the angels when the angels were upset about certain things that were happening in the world. God says to them, Silence. Quiet. So arose in my desire, in my in my thought. So what does that mean? It's those things that are utterly incomprehensible. The angels were complaining when they saw 
Rabbi Akiva being combed to death with Rabbi Akiva, the greatest tzaddik, being combed to death with metal combs, ripping his flesh off his body. And they cried out. And God said, silent. So arose in my thought. Simply mean, God says, I have my reasons. I'm not going to share it with you because you can't understand it. God is saying, I can't either understand. It's not on a level of logic and it's not of a ledger of understanding, but so, so it is. On a level deeper than any understanding, incomprehensible. That means, is it reason? Is it total? Is it total? Um, 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 did God lose it? Is he, is he behaving like it's reason, but it's not reason in the realms of logic? It's, okay, what? God says quiet. That's why I'm quiet too. It's 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 not. It's a level you don't you can't you we can't really talk about. We we know it exists. Shtoik, silence. Just is the way it is. What does that mean? This is not given to to reason, even to the divine brain. Machmas why? Because it's a level of 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 reason and level of 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 internal experience so that's why it means it's reason it's like it's like intellect which is internal but it's a level of 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 oh, i don't know the right words for this maybe intuition some type of an intuition some type of a higher sensation of truth of of what what is which is just so one with the inner the divine inner pleasure and it's not, it's not transmittable into, into any form of logic, understanding. The law you part when it can't be separated from the pleasure. He says in the in the in the in the parentheses, and this pleasure, who and this pleasure is the inner dimension of the pleasure. It's not that's where that's the whole difference over here. In the brain that's lower than the skull, which means in ration, in logic, in reason, in comprehension, in understanding, it's only a ray of pleasure. It's not the essence of pleasure. This is the innermost of the pleasure. In the portal of Shemat, says in the Arizal, the Pnimius Abba, the Pneumius of Chachma, who Chashuv Kamoy Atik, is considered Pneumius Abba over here, he's saying is the inner point of Chachma, not the external element of Chachma, but the inner point of Chachma. Even though this is not the Chachma Stima, but it's, it, it relates to it, we'll see in a minute, relates to the Chachma Stima, to the higher brain, is like Atik Yomen. What's Atik? Atik is the innermost of the crown. It's called ancient of days. That's the essential pleasure. So you see over here that there is a place in Chachma, in 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 Meichen, that is a receptacle 
to the inner to the inner pleasure as is unadulterated and undiluted and undiminished. Ayin shal the kakos of Ramaz pashas veschanon. So says Ramoshes Akusi pashas veschanon. Ubagos maran bo itzerchayim bedrish atik in the drush of atik isa. It's like the innermost of Atik, Atik of ancient. It's a Kabbalistic discussion over here. So says also the Ramaz and Pashas Kisaitz in the name of the Priyat Chaim, the Kloli Harachav, and the general principles of Rabchaim Vital, Simon Samagil, the Pneumius Abba, the innermost of Father, which is. In other words, he's pointing out that there is a dimension in Chachma that touches, even though it's Chachma, it is a seat and a, an internalizer of the essence of pleasure, not just of a ray of pleasure, which is usually given to internalization. Now we can say, if that's true of the inner point of the lower brain, because Pneumius Abba means the brain already of Seder Ishtalshalos, of, of Chachma, the brain of, of lower than. If it's true that there is a point in, in the Chachma that's lower than the Galgalt, that's a seat and touching upon the essence of Atik, of the inner pleasure, for sure the entire brain as it is in a higher level, which is the, the pre-brain, the brain as it is in above the skull, the the, pre, the Moichen, the Chachma as it is in Keter, for sure that over there you can say that it, that in it manifests the innermost of the pleasure. The 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 internal Moichen, which is the root and the source of father of Chachma, which says in the in Idrizuta in, in portion of Zoyar, the level of Aden. The, the Chachma is called Eden. The high Eden, which is Eden, the Haina Abba is is coming from, it's derived law from the higher level of Eden. Stima the Kostimen, closed, hidden from all hidden. I am Shal. And that's the sensation of the Shofar. And that's why this is way above the flow of energy that comes through the mitzvahs, which is all year long, which is from the level called Erech Anpin, which is the external part of the crown, Golgolta, which is called the skull. And we draw this level of pleasure forth through the yalil which means the, the the whimpering sound, the 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 sighing and the and the sobbing. And because of this, Nimshach Tikun And then after Rosh Hashanah, and Rosh Hashanah itself, we don't fix the blemishes. Rosh Hashanah is beyond blemishes. Rosh Hashanah is to evoke the relationship. Once we are open already to this level of the divine. Then the 10 days of tshuva, which include Rosh Hashanah, but it's already secondary to Rosh Hashanah, is all about you know, accessing this, this, this light to make new amends, to recommit ourselves to, to Judaism, to, to, to say sorry, to fix where we did wrong, 
But we have this mercy, this level of forgiveness, this level of acceptance, this level of God's, God is delighting in us. And therefore we have such an opportunity to clear things and clean things up on all levels and replenish the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole relationship. that comes after Rosh Hashanah. And because Shofar is so, so deep, it is so powerful. That's why there is another feature to Shofar. And that, that when you hear the Shofar, it causes trembling. Shofar has a certain um, a power that when you hear it, it causes a tremors. Why? Because we're because the 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 flow from as he explains from the innermost of the of the concealed moach, the concealed brain, the moach of Erechanpin, in it dwells Atik, but which element of Atik, in order for something to come into a experienced experience from the raw essential state, but into a a stirring of the essence, an experience of the essence, it needs major gavura. It needs, it needs, it needs, it's need, it needs concentration. Concentration allows something to experience, I guess, itself. So the concentration is the gavura element of atikyom, and the intensity of the gavura of atikyom concentrates the energy of atikyom into the moach stima for it to be able to be a sensation, a feeling. The pleasure is beyond feeling. For it to become a feeling of intense pleasure. Oh, and that intensity causes tremors. There is a tremor. Since this is coming from the concealed moichen, over there is drawn the intensity of Atik Yomen, which is the intensity of the Orient Sof. And when you're faced, and when you're touched, and when you're, and when your soul is in the presence of gavurais of atik yomen, you can't help but tremor. and it's concealed in the moyach as it is known. Very powerful. This year I had an experience that I never had before. When I bowed down by Korim, one of the days I started shaking and trembling, and I. I like, I didn't know why, I couldn't explain it. I really couldn't explain it. I said, why am I shaking now? It wasn't even a conscious thing. It was some kind of a, couldn't figure out if I'm crying or, or trembling. It was like some kind of a like, but there was no conscious thought over there that like evoked it. It just happened. So we know that when you bow in the Beis Amigdash, they reach the total bittel, but it was like a strange experience. I'm not complaining. It was nice to feel something, but it was it was something unique that I haven't really felt before. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what we're privy to. It's amazing what God gave us, the gifts He's given us, the abilities He's given us. We go through these these. You shouldn't do this as going through the motions. This is like awesome. It's beyond awesome what we're touching, what we're stimulating, what we're connecting to, what we're. So this concludes the explanation on Shofar. After this, the last piece of the mimer is going to explain the verses of Sais Asis, of all these deep ideas are, are 
conveyed to us in the Haftorah we read last week, where we speak about, I will cause joy in God, my soul will delight in Hashem. He dressed me in clothing of salvation and a robe of righteousness. He has uh, uh, garbed me in. And then we go on and on. These verses, he's going to explain the internal meaning of these verses. I didn't understand it, and I can't teach it today because I need much. I need some quite a bit of time to be able to figure this out. But I think we've gotten through at least the crux of the discourse, explaining the shofar and how it does all the tikkunim. And so hopefully before Yom Kippur still, I want to finish the last. There's only one more passage over here. Um, which hopefully we will study, we will learn. And um, the main thing is that all these things we learn about shouldn't remain mystical. It should remain, it should come down already in a tangible, revealed, open way that we can all experience them. And really, and really not just talk about them, but really, really, really live, live, live these experiences for what they really are. Okay, everyone. Everyone should have a Gemar Chasimatayva complete a conclusion of a good inscription sealed in the book of life, in the book of health, in the book of redemption, in the book of forgiveness, in the book of merit, and all the good and all the goodies. So we can meet again. Everyone, take care.